and I'm Addie, and welcome to the Ultimate True Blood Rewatch Podcast, Club Dead. We opened our doors last week and we answered all kinds of questions, and this week we're hopefully answering some more again. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll ask a whole bunch and hopefully we can answer some and all that jazz. I do have some questions for when we wrap up, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I have some questions for now. Oh, okay. Well, it's based on it's based on articles that you've been linking me. So, True Blood reboot. Yes, interesting. So, I read a very old, bloody, disgusting uh, post about Anna Paquin basically making comments about HBO's potential True Blood reboot. Now, you say I... very old. It was from like January this year. It's still old news. That's but that, I was that like is... reboot. You say, like, I, I think, like, very old. I'm thinking, like, five years old, not five months. No. <laughs> Look, listen here. Um, so, basically, Pac-Man was like, oh, we didn't know anything about it, but it's been kind of confirmed in other ways that it could potentially be going ahead. Maybe. Maybe. And there's, like, Screen Ran have said that, you know, there's um, there's no plans on the original cast being involved um the reboot is being done by roberto i'm going to butcher this aguera sacasa i think that's correct um but he's got that they've got no plans to use the original um cast members which is a little bit disappointing i so I, i i sort of said when we were discussing this i sort of said like we could come up with three things that we wanted from the reboots. Yeah. And one of the things I said is if they're not going to use the original cast, it gives them the opportunity to bring in new characters. Yeah. So I, well, while I don't mind the idea, like I'm a little bit disappointed because there are some really good characters in True Blood. I like the idea of bringing in new characters to explore. Yeah. I, um, I did put that. I put that, um, potentially they bring in this new storyline about Sookie's baby. I liked the idea of a new story. I was like, keep some of you could keep some of the original characters maybe and just reface them. Um, you could keep in some you could have some fresh faces. I still wanted a diverse cast. Yes, absolutely. Um, part of true the I've, I've got OG TB. <laughs> <laughs> um, part of the charm was that how diverse the cast was and how diverse the characters were. Like you've got black characters, Hispanic characters, queer characters, and they're all there from like the like from the first episode. Um, I just want them without super tropey stories. Like, you know, there's a lot of trauma and a lot of tragic things that happen to some of the more diverse characters. Yeah. I kind of want to move away from that. It is 2021 and we still see a lot of that. And I kind of want, if you're going to have something that is as groundbreaking as this was in, 2015, in 2005, it's 2021. I want something that's groundbreaking and not as yeah. tropey. Yeah. I um, put a potential prequel to Vampires Coming Out of the Coffin. Ooh, I think they explore explore that a little bit in, like, the later of the series as well, sort of with, like, the creation of vampires and stuff like that. I want to keep the spirit of the original series, so the campy, pulpy fun of it with a 2021 twist. Yeah, absolutely. I want all the same colours. Like, that colour palette that they use, the whole thing. That'd be cool. I There's also a really interesting... um, and I, I was thinking about this on the drive home, actually. Um, there's a really interesting related article in Screen Rant about why it could be too soon to reboot True Blood. Mm. And I sort of agree with it because Hollywood has this 
obsession with rebooting things over and over and over again oh, and yeah. very, very quickly. Um, there's no real original and like this this article's from December in 2020. So again, it's like six months old, not super old by any means, but you know, but like Hollywood has this idea that there's, there's nothing newer and original coming out. We're just rebooting new ideas. Like Spider-Man is a big one of that. Batman yeah. and stuff like that. Like I would love to see more original ideas keep something like True Blood that was <sighs> iconic for its time. Let it rest in the coffin. Yeah. I, I mean, it'd be cool to have a cool new story but not necessarily a true blood story. Maybe a new vampire show that has that campiness rather than the complete and utter reboot of a TV series that only existed 13 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like there's Netflix are doing some really, like Netflix did some really cool stuff with Sabrina until they decided to cancel it. Like there is clearly some desire there for really cool um, campy, supernatural stuff like go for it just i think leave stuff like leave true blood's characters where they are yeah leave leave bon temps alone <laughs> yeah well there was uh rumors that it wouldn't even like potential new locations that bon temps wouldn't come up for like a bazillion years or whatever <laughs> they're just moving across the shreveport <laughs> <laughs> i, I think really it... like an eric and pam spinoff i think it would be interesting <laughs> if it was done in dallas Yes. Because Dallas is like they they when when later on in the series they do actually go to Dallas. Like in a couple of episodes they do actually go to Dallas and Dallas is kind of like this mecca for vampires in the South. Um so I think like having a storyline in Dallas would be really interesting as well. Yeah. I like I, I'd like that as well. I just yeah, just leave True Blood where it is for a little bit. I mean, I'd still watch it, but <laughs> yes, I would. I would, ha- I would hate watch it. I would, I would hate my. I would hate watch it. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> well, it's what happened. It's what happened when I got through to the end of True Blood. I was just sitting there going, "Right, I have watched as much of this as I can. I now just want to get to the end of this." But I don't know. I'm, I'm now binge watching it. I'm like, oh my god, I, I'm watching it in a new light because I'm now like critically analyzing it. So thinking about it totally differently yeah exactly so i'm actually really enjoying it i'm like oh my god this is so campy (laughs) and so ridiculous and so beyond the realms of imagination like i still there's some like there's still things about it that i hate but like i've just gotten to like one of the really big twists of it and i'm just like there's still stuff about it that i hate (laughs) but like (laughs) There's, there's like lines in it that I am laughing at and oh, yeah. Jason's like walking in and he's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, no, 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 this is true blood. And this is just what's happened. And he's like, right. And just walks out. I'm like, uh, oh, if you sat cool. down and you watched it, he watched like four or five episodes with me the other day. And he's like, no, I don't like it. And I'm like, you like it. And I'm like poking his cheek and he's smiling. And I'm you like, you like it. it. <laughs> So uh, this is episode two of season one. It is called First Taste. The First Taste. Ooh. Ooh. So <laughs> it aired on September fourteenth, two thousand and eight. Written by Alan Ball and directed blah blah blah, blah 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 blah. Directed by Scott Winnett. 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 That's cute. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's winning. Um, <laughs> I have the synopsis. Excellent. 
A leading opponent in vampire right, in the vampire rights or of the vampire rights is killed in an accident and Suki begins to wonder just how far vampires will go in their response. Yes. This is um so this one is basically we set off back from the start of episode 1. Yeah, so Suki is having the shit beaten out of her basically. Still. Yeah. But but we're still at that bit, which is pretty brutal. <laughs> Again, a kind of big up to the uh, special effects artists and stuff like that and this because it's and, and like the sound artists and stuff like that because it is brutal yeah like her choking and coughing up blood is a little bit too much for me but <laughs> <laughs> it's and the blood the blood looks good in this I know and it's like I have to say thank you it's it's not like it doesn't look super super fake like it still looks like corn syrup and red food dye but it's got like just a good viscosity to it. God, that's a grotesque word when you're talking about blood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, and especially when like things happen later when they're like talking about killing vampires and stuff like that. But like, it's just got like a good. I, I'm so like it's just got a good texture to it. Oh, <laughs> oh God, Addy. I'm sorry. That's not the word. That's, that's no. What I'm going with. <laughs> it's just. Oh god, okay. Um, so Sogi's pretty you know, she's really beaten up and um Mac and Debbie uh basically hear something moving. It's mm-hmm. moving too quick. We can't see what it is. And Mac is hit from the front and he flies backwards and up into a tree and I was like, Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Fucking dick. deserved karma. Yeah. Um we don't see who has rescued Suki, but they reach down and pick them up into her arms. It's also worth mentioning that Denise is also sort of pushed away as well. Oh, the yeah, whole, they both fly back. Yeah, the whole the whole thing is like bodies are flying and somebody has come to rescue Suki. Yeah. And last episode we did talk about how um, Suki has always t- taken on this very uh, strong independent, no, I don't need your help, but... Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a big contrast to that attitude, having her very helpless. Because she's always, she's always like in people's heads, or she's, it, yeah, she's always like in people's heads, and she should always be aware of her surroundings. So for her to be caught off guard seems very counterintuitive to what her mental state should be, yeah, or what her what her ability should be able to grant her. She shouldn't have been able to have been caught off guard by the rat race, basically. Yeah, but maybe she just had her guard up a little bit better than she normally does and didn't maybe. notice. <laughs> maybe she just had headphones in. <laughs> oh, fuck that. I actually had to explain to, to Ned, my partner, about why women don't wear um, noise-cancelling headphones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I never thought of that. That makes sense. <laughs> I, I, I often wear headphones and just don't have things playing because... Um, I need to be aware of like ambulances and stuff like that, or I'm gonna like walk out onto the street and just oh, yeah. get out by something. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, same. Uh, so we cut over to Jason Stackhouse, who's at the police station where they're showing him a video of him having sex with Mordette Pickens. <laughs> I, I, my note here is more very immediate sex. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is. They don't shy away from it. No, this scene feels so just like 
disjointed to me okay. because it cuts from Suki being beaten and bloodied and rescued to um, Jason having sex on videotape yeah. and then we cut back to Suki being rescued and, like, it just keeps kind of cutting back and forth. Yeah. And I'm like, I understand what you're trying to allude to here, but it just feels so disjointed the first time re-watching it. Yeah, because you're like, why? Yeah, why Why am I watching Suki being rescued and her brother having sex? Having sex. I don't, that's not something I want to connect to. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know that they want to do the big reveal on who Suki has been rescued by, but also, can we not have it directly? You attempting to correlate it with something that's not a direct Yeah, and then, like, and and then because of the big reveal, like, spoilers, um, (laughs) the big reveal is that Bill has come to her rescue. Yeah. Um, And he takes her over to this... um, the river, which sort of becomes a very iconic place. Yeah, it's in a lot in, of promotional material. In a lot of promotional material, and it kind of comes up a bit in later episodes as well. Mm. Um, it's this really beautiful, like, it's sort of, like, hung over by willows and there's, like, a tree and a lake and there's always, Sparkling like... Sparkling stars. Yeah, and there's always, like, a full moon. Like, it must always be a full moon in Blonde Temp. I don't understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> the moon must work differently there, though. I don't understand. Yeah. That's no moon. Um... But yeah, so like we cut to we cut to Bill and he's rescued Suki and he lays her down and she's dying. Like yeah. she's spitting up blood and like she's broken ribs and she's a very broken and bloody person. Um and Bill offers Suki blood to save her life. And this is where I start having issues. And like I understand I I this is it's more of a personal thing than anything. Um Bill offers Suki blood to save her life and doesn't quite inform her of all of the side effects. Which we will go into because I find it really... And her reaction to the the information that he did not tell her um, is quite understandable. So Yeah. Like, and coming from... Like, a, a, approaching it from a place that is not obviously... Any, I, I, I know how to perform very basic CPR on people and I know how to patch my own boo-boos. <laughs> <laughs> it's a medical term. Um, I obviously don't know how you would approach a patient and say, hey, look, this is the medical treatment we're going to give you. Here are all the side effects. He's gone, I'm going to bite my arm, drink this, it's gonna, this is, this is going to save you. Um, yeah. this, is, this is the list of side effects. Here is the consent form. That's not what happened. Um, yeah. He's gone, you are dying. This is my blood. This will save you. And she initially says no. Yeah. She she initially says no. I don't want to turn into a vampire. And he's like, that's not how it works. And then like basically forces, forces the blood yeah. down his down her throat. Yeah. Um. Now the thing with vampire blood that Bill sort of omits is that once you drink from a vampire, you are connected to them. I have a question about this. Yes. <laughs> I have I have a question about this. If you buy a vial of vampire blood, are you connected to the vampire? Maybe it has to come directly from the source. That's what I thought, because I'm like, does this I don't like I, yeah. I want like 
because they don't sort of explain it. It's always just like, you know, this is a vial of vampire blood. You're going to get a raging erection or this is going to heighten your senses or whatever. But they never explain that, you know, this will connect you to the vampire it came from. Is the blood in the vials mixed from several vampires? Are you now connected to a den of vampires? Are you vampire LinkedIn? Yeah. Are you, um, <laughs> are you Vampire LinkedIn? That's the, that's going to be the title of the vampires. <laughs> that could be the episode of the podcast. Are you Vampire LinkedIn? I think um, maybe it's like because it is meant to be this like um, psychosexual act of drinking a vampire's blood, right? It's meant to be this very seductive kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, so maybe the whole drinking from them directly is what connects Connect you. you. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought originally, but I always just had had like this like little thing in the background being or like, maybe it is a plot hole. <laughs> it is a plot hole, and I'm sitting there poking it. You're like, um, excuse me, I've noticed this. <laughs> I have questions. Um, yeah, so Bill completely omits the fact that he is now yeah. connected to Suki. And this kind of comes up again, like we said later, um, because Suki has this reaction to it. Um, but yeah, so Bill is saving Suki, and then we cut back to Jason. With the sex tape. With the sex tape. <laughs> and I love this because in Did the video. The same thing that I saw? <laughs> Did you notice the same thing that I saw? What? So you know how he thinks he killed her? Yes. She's breathing. Oh, I didn't even. Oh. You can. So, like, he's sitting there and he's choking her out and he yeah. comes in a very dramatic fashion. He's like, here it comes. Uh, uh, uh. That's my artist rendition. <laughs> I apologize to everybody who had just to listen to that. Um, and she's sitting there and she's laying limp. If you watch it, you can actually see her breathing. <laughs> like, Jason, you're a dickhead. You are a dickhead. What I love how um he runs out of the house because he thinks that he's killed her and then Mordet opens her eyes and laughs and just says what a moron he right he's just and i love that the cops spent the entire day waiting to show him that video even though he spent that day thinking he'd killed Mordet. so my favorite quote about this is they're discussing the videos and stuff like that. And he's, and, and Andy, Andy Belfer. Okay. This is Andy Belfer is one of the characters I don't actively hate. I love Andy <laughs> Belfer. <laughs> and they're like talking about the videos and they're like, um, they couldn't, this was the only one they find. And Andy's like, or oh, somebody only wanted us to find this, to see this one because it supposedly clears him of a crime that he, the supposedly clears him of a crime that maybe he came back to commit. And Jason sits there completely blank faced. And then he has this realization. He goes, Oh, come on, Andy, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, Jason, bless your cotton socks, you dumb, dumb cinnamon roll of a human. Because he's just like, oh, come on, Andy, I'm not that smart. And I'm like, no, nah, he's got a point. <laughs> makes he, a really good point. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're on a, we have no defence. The defense rests. Defense, defense rests. Defense, defense is dumbfounded. Prosecution throws out the case because, like, because they're sitting there, they're interrogating him, and Jason's like, 
nah, man, wasn't me. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And then he just kind of admits that he's too dumb to have actually committed the crime. And I, I think that that's um, uh, something that I enjoy about Jason's character. Yeah, like, I, I, I hate Jason as a character, oh, yeah. but I, like, Jason, Jason as a character is meant to be, like, just this very dumb jock character. And, like, I understand, that, like, there are parts of him that I really do enjoy, like, that sort of, that conversation where it's just like, no, I'm too dumb to have done that, like, come on. <laughs> um, but there are parts, and it sort of comes up in this episode as well, there are just parts where I really dislike him and I love the way that he's written because you are meant to sort of dislike that characterization yeah absolutely he um yeah he has a his scene with Bill later on is very interesting yes very interesting um so this is what we were talking about how certain diverse characters are written in very problematic tropes that um, kind of pencils them into this trauma discourse mm-hmm. when it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. I think I know um, what you're about to talk about. Yeah, so Tara comes home to find her mum, Letty May, who's passed out on the couch. Um, there's a gossip magazine on their coffee table that says Angelina adopts vampire baby. <laughs> <laughs> of course. If Angelina's going to do it, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Angelina. Gonna or be Madonna. Angelina. <laughs> Um, and there's also a bottle of vodka, like, empty next to Letty May. Yes. Um, and this is this is what I was talking about, like, the tropey stories. Her mum yeah. is characterised as an alcoholic. Yeah. And not just an alcoholic, like, a knockdown alcoholic. She's Tara um, talks about her trauma later about, like, her mother is there's, – there's a, a flashback of her mother chasing her to the stack houses. Yeah. Um, when she's talking about Jason. Um and Tara remembers, like, her mum chasing her back to the stack houses and Jason stepping in to save her. And Letty May, like, like kind of staunching up to, to fight Jason, who's, like, 11 years old. Yeah. Um, and I understand that there is a need to give characters backstory. I sometimes don't appreciate why certain characters have to be typecast. Yeah, absolutely. The whole fact that in the book Tara is not written this way. Mm. Tara is a business owner. She um, she does have a complicated relationship with her mum, but I think that um, I, I honestly can't remember much of um, Tara and her mother in the books. But it's really frustrating um, how they put Tara in this, like, trauma situation that could have been written for another character it didn't have to be written for a black character well I think it's really interesting because we were talking about Lafayette in the last episode Lafayette gets written out in like the first couple of chapters of book two Um, yeah yeah. Um, is it book two or book one book two book two okay yeah Um, because in the TV show Lafayette plays a really interesting integral character um, I wouldn't necessarily call him a secondary character. Mm. I would call him a primary character, but just sort of a step back. Um, but yeah, like we said, like in the books, he just, he gets written out completely. I don't even like, I, I mustn't remember much of him in book one. Um, he doesn't really have much of a role in book one. He says a couple yes. of things and that's about it. 
Yeah, so I think it's really interesting that they write him into such an integral part in the TV series, don't give him much of a, um, a part in the books. Tara doesn't necessarily have much of a relationship with her mother in the books but has this really complicated relationship with her mother in the TV series. I don't know how you can write a complicated relationship without there being trauma. Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously trauma associated because that's just how complex relationships do progress sometimes. Mm. The unfortunate side is that they've written a black character as a stay-at-home drunk. Yeah. And violent mother. And that, to me, is problematic. Yeah, highly, definitely. Yeah. It's like you could have Letty Mae and Tara in this and her mother not be a drunk because you're just playing into these societal stereotypes that a lot of racist fuckwits do perpetuate. Yeah. And, it's and I guess we, we were talking about it last week where we were like, you know, this show is quite progressive for 2005. It didn't quite hit everything that we were expecting of it for 2011 or 2010. Uh, 2021, 2020, uh, 2020. Like, okay, hang on, where am I? What year? It's COVID. Time has no meaning. Um, Yeah, like, I think for the, again, like putting it into context, I think for 2005, while the writing for Letty May may not necessarily have been the best, we are still dealing with quite progressive characters. It doesn't necessarily undo the harm, but it may provide context. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I'm just, mm, for me, I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's like, it's, that's, that's okay. And then they give her this whole white people saved her arc and that's annoying. I don't think they do. They don't give her a white people saved her arc. Yeah, how she goes to church and gets sober and it's... But she doesn't, go, but it's not a white church and she doesn't, it's not oh, until good. she goes to, this is spoilers for future episodes, um... <laughs> She goes to a quote unquote witch doctor. Okay, that's all right then. Um, who then plays Which also into... is again it's it's tropey. <laughs> um, and the character who is playing the witch doctor is like, I'm working three jobs. My child is oh, disabled. That. Yes, and then it plays into what happens in season two. Yeah. Okay. Um, and she doesn't, she goes, like, Letty Mae goes to church. I don't think she goes to a, a white church. I think she goes to a black church because there are um, references later that, um, like, her church friends come over and they're all in their Sunday best and it's, like, another another um, okay. well-to-do black woman and stuff like that, so. Good. I revoke everything I said. <laughs> but also, My, there are some white saviour issues there are Tara's many relationships with there people. are many white savior issues with Tara's relationships with people not not yeah. not to not to completely like revoke our issues with Tara's arcs with people but hmm. yeah like, especially with Jason with Jason and with Sam yeah yeah and with what happens in season 2 uh, Tara okay. Tara in gen- Tara in general is I have, and one of the reasons I have issues with Tara is because she is a problematic character, not necessarily in her writing. I feel like the way she interacts with a lot of characters is problematic Mm. um, because the interactions with characters like Sam and with Jason and stuff like that are just written to be problematic. Yeah. She is going to have that. Yeah. And I feel bad for Tara as a character. Like if she was a person, I would feel bad for her. 
Yeah. Um, because I'd be like, you need to stop relying on others to help you. And like, as somebody who heavily relies on people to help her, um, <laughs> I, I, I can understand like it would be sad to watch like, like we was discussing last week, like her pining after Jason. Yeah. And her relationships with Sam and stuff like that, where it's like these are unhealthy relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're talking. We're talking about Tara getting home to her mother. Um, coming ba- coming back to the actual com- coming back to the actual thing. Yeah, she calls Lafayette. She pours herself a bowl of Lucky Charms. Oh, yum! And pours two teaspoons of sugar on it. Oh, there's already enough sugar. I've got this note that says Tara puts two, spe- two teaspoons of sugar on her lucky charms. Girl, your teeth are going to fall out. <laughs> Girl, no. Those things Girl. are just, those things are sugar already. <laughs> and sugar and red food dye. Stop. Stop it. I feel for your teeth. Yeah. So she calls, <laughs> she calls, she calls Lafayette and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I am not rescuing you. You need to sort yeah. your own shit out. And like, clearly Lafayette has had enough. Lafayette is his own man. He's going to go pick up whatever trash he can at this party. Um, he openly he openly admits that his standards are super low in yeah, this interaction. Yeah, because he said, he said um, uh, all right, I'm... I, I'm on my way, but you've got to find your own ra- ride home just in case I get lucky. And she's like, what do you mean if you get lucky? Your standards are so low, you always get lucky. And he's like, damn right, hooker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or something along those lines. He's like, damn right. Yeah, um, I love it. My, my my notes on here are just like, god damn, I miss a good backyard party. <laughs> oh, I know. This, this party looks like it's so good. There are just people like smoking there are people with bees there's good music there's like fairy lights this is what I wanted to do when I was an adult this is what I assumed I was gonna do as an adult and then I grew up and I was like no I don't have the energy I told Ned when we move um and we're not having any parties because I'm not cleaning them up (laughs) that's why you just tell people to do it you give them bins you find responsible drunks who put things in bins (laughs) The one drunk that wants to help you do everything and you're just like, all right, good, you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, So before this um, party situation, because there's an interesting conversation that Tara has with somebody that is interested in her. Mm -hmm. So Jason goes to Dawn's house. He basically (laughs) bangs her door down. The king of making good decisions. Yeah. Christ was that he thought he had killed Mordette during sex and then they end up having sex. I remember sending you my note for this. Yes! Jason, the king of making good decisions, goes from the murder investigation of dead hookup number one, Mordette, to slamming on the door of his hookup number two, Dawn, at 3am to tell her about how, how he didn't choke out hookup number one during sex because of a sex tape he didn't know was being filmed and then ah. they end up having sex. Yeah. So Dawn a also plus. makes fucking horrible decisions which we do find out about <sighs> later they're so good for each other they really <laughs> are isn't like just people in the south i have a question american friends aren't people in the south this toxic so i have Sweetest. friends who live in the south and i they're not <laughs> i feel like it's just people who like 
live in this stereotypic, just just this very stereotypical part of Louisiana. I have friends who live in Louisiana. They're not this toxic. They're not this dumb. They're very educated people. Just this very, it, there must be something in the water near. Bonton. Um, yeah, just in Bonton. Must be. It just it just must be near Sam's bar. He's just <laughs> pouring something in the water. It's in the fucking ice cubes. <laughs> you know, like how at um, the petrol station they're like, don't eat these ice cubes, they're made out of boar water. Like, Why the fuck would I buy them then? God. Yeah. That's what we get for living down south. <laughs> Good grief. Um, yeah, so... He he's like knocking on Dawn's door, and she's yeah. like, "All right, what the fuck do you want?" And then like he curls up next to her, and then he like starts motorboating her. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, you're so manipulative. It's yeah. This and this is why I say they're like good for each other because they are so toxic mm. that like he's oh, and then like their scenes later. I'm just. It's not even like that. They're both so toxic. It's that Dawn. Is maybe she's used just, to his bullshit. Yeah, or like self-esteem issues where she's like, oh well, I'm dating Jason Stackhouse, so that's fine. And everybody here wants him, so I'm gonna lower my bar of how I want to be treated so that he can't be that me. good in bed. I don't know. I don't want to know. Although the Do scene I where know? they are this the scene where they are having sex and Jason's like got her on her hands and knees and he points at himself in the mirror. Oh, that killed me. I'm like God damn. American Clerko. <laughs> it's so it's so narcissistic and it's yeah. so very typical Jason Stackhouse. I think it's very insightful. The 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 first couple of episodes of this season do really a great job of setting up the characters. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good look into like the kind of people that they are, like Yeah. Small town um, in the south, Bible Belt. But, like, you've got, especially the juxtaposition between Suki and Jason. Yeah. You've got Suki, who is the very good Southern Belle. She doesn't try to put, like, a toe out of line or anything like that, which slowly devolves once she meets Bill and decides that she is in love and all that kind of stuff. And Yeah. She, there's, there's, an, there's, a, there's a line where she's like, I've killed people. I'm okay with it. And I'm like, all right, let's slow down, Sookie. Let's, let's not go to admitting too many felonies here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you've got you've got Sookie who is this really cute blonde girl. She's like – there's parts of it where she's like walking around in like a cute little summer dress and she's got a bikini on and all that kind of stuff. She's the vision of cute Southern Belle. And then you've got Jason who is pointing at himself in a mirror during sex because the big dog on campus. Yeah. Um. They are very much a juxtaposition of each other. They are they are polar opposites. Um, but when Jason gets protective of her, I think it's really sweet. Yeah. I'm possibly brain damaged. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, we'll, we'll see what out. I think about it. <laughs> but also, I might be brain damaged. The fever I've had the last week. <laughs> you have been quite sick. My brain. <laughs> so um, we're back at Sookie and Bill at the absolute picturesque riverside and bill is like licking the blood off her face yeah so again we sort of get this idea that bill is possessive yeah quite possessive and quite possessive of the things he considers his 
Yes, and this uh, Sookie actually says something really interesting later on um, that I'll bring up. But, Is it, um, there's nothing to you personally. You've been licking the blood out of my hair. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's something they uh, that she says to him when they're walking through the cemetery later. Oh yeah. Um, and so what I find really cool is that they've also introduced, like, these flashbacks. Um, so Suki is explaining to Bill about her dating life. And instead of uh, yes. telling him, we're seeing it. And yes. so one man is thinking um, if her pubic hair is the same colour as her head and thinks something along the lines of nothing worse than a blonde with a black bush. And Oh, yeah, and she throws <laughs> the coke in his face. No, she squirts mustard all over his face and his shirt. That's right. That's right. Um, and the second one I have a little bit of an issue with. So the second yes, one. Yes, I know was, this one. Yeah. When he says he's thinking she's the perfect girl to take home and to marry and settle down with and then I'll never think about such and such and that he's talking about a man, he is. He's talking about Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon, that's right. Uh, he is gay. And um, Sookie acts absolutely disgusted and gets out of the car. And I was just like, oh, so you're a homophobe now. See, I I I have issues. I have issues with this in the idea that he's probably feeling very closeted in the idea that he has to date a girl to you know, yeah. settle down and get married and all that kind of thing. I can understand Suki's reaction in feeling manipulated and used. Okay, that okay. I just wasn't sure if I was just like, oh, that's so mean. Like being getting upset. getting out of getting out of like. She's also reading. <laughs> just sorry, I've just seen the cat get off your bed. <laughs> Oh, she wants out. She wants out. You can, um, out. You can leave. Just muffin, muffin and leave. I can, I can understand Suki's Suki's feelings about feeling manipulated and used in this date. She's gone into this date thinking that I found somebody that I can date with the with the intention of potentially one day settling down, having kids, all that kind of stuff. She is potentially violating his personal space by reading his mind we have discussed and that gets discussed by like people freaking out being like you know my brain is not your personal playground that kind of thing Mm. um it is again one of those things that is problematic for several reasons um but Suki can't openly like Suki can't just go oh well why are you having those feelings about Matt Damon yeah um because she's read his mind she also didn't handle it well in just getting up and storming out. Like she has no reason to go to like to say that, you know, like she probably should have gone, Hey, I don't feel well. Yeah. Or hey, I don't think we're compatible. I think I should for the obvious reasons. Um (laughs) (laughs) but I can understand why Suki would feel manipulated and used. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Um, there is definitely two sides to that coin. Yeah. It doesn't. Nece- it doesn't necessarily mean that like she's not homophobe or there's no things there. Yeah. Like I don't think Maybe that she's. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that there are hints to her being homophobic in this. No. Um, Maybe I'm just overthinking. <laughs> possibly. I don't know. Because I'm just like but I that's... need something to be critical about. <laughs> this is really it. But that's that's my interpretation of the scene is that she's yeah. feeling manipulated and used by being on that date. Yeah, she's, that, that she's, she is a beard, basically. Yeah, because he's going, you know, I want to take this girl home and I want to introduce her to my mom, to my mother, and like this is the kind of girl that I should be settling down with. Instead, I'm having sexual, yeah, 
Like, yeah. And Matt Damon, 2005, like, yeah, I get it. I, t- I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Sookie says, I'm feeling okay and maybe I should get going. And um, she said, do, you, do doctors know that vampire blood can do this? And he says, you know, um, no, and we want to keep it that way. Which is fair. Yeah, absolutely. Let him have some secrets. I also, I always sort of like, I watch this scene and I'm like, but imagine all the diseases they could cure. I, I know. And that's, <laughs> I was just like, why wouldn't you tell doctors about this? You can, you could cure cancer. Like, I imagine there's just, like, one vampire doctor and this vampire doctor is just, like, going up to their patients being like, suck my arm, suck my arm, suck my arm. I'm going to cure AIDS and I'm going to cure cancer and I'm going to cure MS. And these patients are just, like, miraculously, like, being cured of things and everybody's just like, what is happening? What is this miraculous, what is this miraculous new cure that Dr... (laughs) So <laughs> there's a doctor doctor acula there's a there's a scrubs re- scrubs reference for you doctor acula doctor uh, acula is also a band <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> doctor doctor acula is the screenplay that jd writes oh and it gets referenced throughout scrubs yeah. and jd is like doctor acula and it's so bad <laughs> I haven't done a rewatch of Scrubs in so long. <laughs> next, the next, the next podcast we do can it's be the ultimate Scrubs rewatch podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so like, I I often have like this just this back thought of but like why wouldn't just like there be a secret like vampire doctor cabal of like people just going yeah. around in third world countries of like curing these things? I would. I'm, but I am altruistic. Maybe if I got turned into a vampire, I wouldn't be altruistic anymore. I would be, but I come like I. I feel like being chronically ill. I'd be like, yeah, cool. I would just go around and like cure all my friends if they're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ah, uh, no, I'm sick all the time. So I'd go. Around no more migraines for you. No more chronic illness for you. What's yeah. that? No, none for you. Look but at then you all know. my friends. But then all my friends would have like really awkward sex dreams about me. So. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't know, maybe they want that. Maybe that's the fun upside. Apart what from would you being know cured. about it. I don't know, because they never talk about that. Answering, yes. I complete aside, and I said this to you the other day, but I feel like everybody needs to know. I keep having to tell my husband that this gets real gay real quick. <laughs> <laughs> because again, yes. I've been binge, I've been binge watching this, and there's like parts where you know I've just finished season two. And there's a part where a vampire saves somebody and it just gets hot man-on-man action where it's like, mm, I have no clothes. Maybe you could just give me the shirt off your back. Mm, I'm going to go have a shower. Would you like to join me? I hear the water here is hard. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this gets real gay real quick. I'm into it. <laughs> Jason's like, I feel like this is normal for this show. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. This is like, normal content, TM. This this podcast has gotten so unhinged tonight. We're just... I've... Because my brain is fried. Same. <laughs> next next week will be a little bit more gathered. Yes. I apologize. Which so, is... uh, the cool, awesome backyard party that you mentioned. I yeah, I feel like I had those parties when I was a teenager. Uh, I I love the guy who comes up to Tara. Oh, Tyrell. Yeah, who's in like oh. his pajamas. He's in tracksuit pants, I think, and a. It's like a. Str- it looks. It looks like the pajamas that you wear as an old man. They're like blue and white striped, and they match. The top and the bottom matches. Oh, do they? Yes. I didn't even notice that. 
because I have my note here says this dude in his PJs. Once again, the fashion in this show gives me life. Oh, that'd be me at the party in my PJs. Because he like he comes up and he's talking to Tara and he's like, "What you doing, baby girl?" And he's she's like watching my cousin hit on the straightest man at this party and it cuts to Lafayette and Lafayette is like twerking in front of this very confused straight dude who looks he but he looks like he's considering it but he kind of also looks like he's just trying to have a conversation he's like (laughs) twerking's interrupting the conversation we were having sir I was asking you about the geopolitical situation in the middle east what's what's happening here can we talk about this or are you oh you're busy okay <laughs> okay um, and, then, and then the guy that sits down with Tara is like mm, well that's kind of funny because I'm the straightest man here at this party you can ask any of these honeys and it's such a I'm just like does that work is that is that like the best come on like that's not my best come on my 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 best pickup line is that shirt is very becoming on you. If I was on you, I'd be coming too. <laughs> Mine is just stare like deer in headlights, like ah, I don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> and that's and then how I we're growing up, and that's why I don't go in public anymore. But you're also in a successful long term relationship, so something yes, has to work. Very true. I wouldn't even know what to say. <laughs> but Tara's interaction with this guy is so good because she's like oh yeah my my partner is an assassin he's a mercenary and he's just come back from murdering this guy um he murdered a guy for buying me a cd and this guy's like bitch you crazy and just the fuck on out of there what like tara is tara is so not interested in his shit and she is just like i'm gonna make yeah, she's like, no I'm sitting here drinking my beer. This guy's come over here. He is bothering me. And she's just like, I don't know who he would kill first. I hope he kills me because I don't want to have to witness that. He just murdered a man for buying me a CD once. <laughs> and the, 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 the terror in her voice is so good. And he's just like, this can't be for real. What the fuck? But Am I, I going to get killed? He's just like, bitch, you crazy. And just like, what? nope's on out. He's He's gone. Yeah. He has gone he has gone to be straight with another woman. The straightest man at the party somewhere else. The straight the straightest man at the party has made a straight line for the exit. <laughs> what I really liked about this scene, but slash didn't like, is that while Tara is at this party, we're having cutbacks to Dawn and Jason having sex. So it's a complete and utter reminder that Jason does not think anything about Tara whatsoever and that he she is not even in his peripheral. I yeah, I I like that they like I, I don't I don't like the relationship between Tara and Jason yeah. romantically. Um I like that Jason will still come to Tara's rescue because he thinks of her as a sister. Yeah, absolutely. Um and I think the trauma response and this is something that I think they've studied before is that the trauma response is that she's just become attracted to him because she sees him as her rescuer. Um but I love that they sort of keep alluding back to it um, and they're reminding the audience that Jason is just this self-centred pig. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as much as Tara wants him to be there, he isn't reliable. He won't be. No, like he's <laughs> literally balls deep in a woman 
like 12 hours, not even 12 hours after being released from custody yeah. in the, after being accused from murdering one hooker. Yeah, and having a sex tape. Like, it's just like, have some common sense. I think it's a, I think it's really interesting. Um, it sort of explains also Tara's taste in men. Oh, yeah. Um, because shortly Tara will get involved with someone who is also equally terrible. Ah, uh, yep. Um, so she's she's interested in Jason, who is the epitome of awful. She's about to get involved with someone who is exceptionally terrible. And it's not until, like, season two that she actually finds someone who is really, really good for her. Yeah. Um, and And you see, like, Tara blossom into this really beautiful person. Um, she just kind of has to literally kiss toads. Yeah. And and that's okay. I mean... We all had to kiss toads. We've all had to kiss toads. We've all had to kiss toads. So Bill is walking Sookie home. Okay. After he licked her entire face. Ew. Um, <laughs> Men are dogs. <laughs> Men are dogs. <laughs> uh, he was made a vampire in 1865 when he was 30 during the Civil War. So we find out a little bit about his history. Yes. Um, and Suki asks him to speak to her grandmother's group, the descendants of the Glorious Dead. The Glorious Dead. dead. And so, Bill gets kind of upset about this. He's like, yeah, the he's Glorious like, Dead, war glorious. is not glorious. <laughs> and I was like, about oh. the rich getting richer and the dead getting deader and poor boys. And I'm like, damn, Bill, the mood. I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here like in late stage capitalism, just, yeah, like it's the Dylan. mood. I was like, does he know that this has happened? That capitalism happened? <laughs> No, like b- blood, blood is being mass produced for vampires to drink. Like big capitalism, he knows. He uh, knows. <laughs> so he says he'll do it if it would make her happy. And when can he call on her? Yeah, I. It makes me so angry when I like things that Bill says. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm like, that's kind of cute. Like, when can he call on her? <laughs> He's not super problematic until like next season. He no, he gets problematic in this episode. True, uh, but not super problematic. I don't know. He kills two people. True. And yeah, he okay. Sort of turns, yes. Okay. He, yeah. he turns, like he turns their house upside down on them. Oh yeah. And I kind of can forgive him for the next time he murders somebody for Suki because that kind of sucks. That's, but like, yeah, that's yeah, different. that's 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 a forgivable offense. Yeah. So while this is happening. Uh, it's the next morning and Jason wakes up to next to Dawn and sees that she has vampire marks on her chest and he's irate about it. I can't believe you'd let them touch you, blah, 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 blah. And Fucking she, fangbangers. She says, it was the best sex I've ever had in my life. And he's like, I thought I was the best sex. And she said, no, because you stopped calling. Damn, Jason. And so like, like she, she doesn't even apologize. She's like, no, you no. stop coming around. And to throw back to last episode, Mordette says the same thing, like the similar thing as well. She's not going to be slut shamed for this. No, absolutely not. And I love that Dawn says, like, Dawn straight up calls him out for it. She's like, no, you stopped calling. Like, I was going to go find it somewhere else. Like, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and cry over you. And I feel and like he thinks that women are doing that. In his yeah, he <laughs> thinks that. He thinks that once they're out of his periphery, like once they're in his periphery, they just don't exist. They just stop yeah. and wait for him. Ugh. And that is such, yeah, exactly. 
Um, but that is such a very atypical thing for him. Like it is, it is mm. just such a, a, a very Jason thing to do. Um, and it very much throws back to Jason's selfishness yeah. um, and his possessiveness of women. Like he just assumes that he is the best they've ever had. They're just going to sit there and wait for him. <laughs> and he's like, these women are just like, no, we're going to go find it somewhere else. If you're still calling, like, that's your issue. You go do what you want to do. I'm not going to, like, we're not in a committed relationship. And Dawn, and Dawn says to him later, like, when she's tying him to the bed, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I love, yeah. um, she's like, you're lucky this is all I'm doing because um, he's like, I'm still horny. And she's like, yeah, if we do that, we're going to burn out before the week's end and then you're going to get weird and distant and I've already played that game. Yeah. Like she actively calls him out on this really toxic relationship cycle that they're on. Yeah. Um, and and she clearly engages in it. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like trying to do things to prolong it by physically tying him to the bed. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know what's worse there. I mean, she's just introducing him to new things. Um <laughs> yeah yeah but like she's she sort of he kind of goes i'm still horny and she's like you're you should be lucky this is the only thing i'm doing to you and i'm like damn you all need like consent and boundaries somebody Ah, needs a safe word somebody needs needs a safe word because i just yell my safe word so i can leave the tv (laughs) just like come quats i'm out (laughs) turn off the tv (laughs) my safe word is come quats (laughs) I don't I don't even oh wow. Um anyway. Anyway. Uh so that morning Sookie's watching television and Nan Flanagan's on the screen. She is talking with a Christian group representative, a Nolan. Um I can't remember his first name, Harry Nolan, I think. Something like that. Yeah, he's the dad. I love the Newlands. Oh, they're so stupid. They're so bad. They're so well written. Yeah. Um, because they give me such um Westboro Baptist Church vibes. Oh yes! <laughs> they yeah. give me such Westboro Baptist Church vibes. Oh, um yeah. and yeah, I know the scene because like Nayan's sitting there, she's like talking, and she's talking about how like um they're talking about the, the vampire rights amendment and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, yeah, this Newland bloke's like, I will not talk to her directly. Yeah. My religion forbids it because she is dead. (laughs) And Nan's like, okay, whatever. Like, that's going to make dialogue hard, but (laughs) no skin off my back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, What I found was really interesting about this is that it's a much deeper look into the political conflict that's happening in America on this, like, massive level between, like, vampires and religious anti-vampire groups. Mm -hmm. And what we see happening um, a lot throughout True Blood is that we have the um, the issues that are going on at a micro level in Bon Top, Bon Bon, bon Tom, blah, 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 blah. and then <laughs> my we... Bon Tom is rubbing off. <laughs> and then um, what's going on that we see a lot throughout is this um, this massive political movement and conflict that's happening and it's kind of like we're seeing how america is coping with this change in status quo and then also how the um the these people in the well the main characters are coping with this status quo change um because they're talking about this great revolution oh revelation sorry um this fellowship of the sun 
and that basically all the vampires will be killed and and so on so the second coming of christ kind of thing yeah it's really interesting to see that and i'm like wow so I'm having I'm having a look here and I'm on the True Blood Fandom, like trueblood.fandom.com. Um and it looks like that the Vampire Rights Amendment, also known as the VRA, is a proposition is proposed amendment to the US Constitution. Um the amendment, if approved and ratified, would give vampires the same equal rights given to humans, but only in the United States. And they do talk about like the about like other continents and stuff like that doing something similar. Um, something similar but some of the rights um mentioned are like vampires are able to not only own their homes but owning public spaces so like eric owns fantasia um vampires have their own hotels such as the hotel camilla in dallas which caters to vampires um there is the anubis airlines which is um equipped with specialty coffins um Vampires can also marry in some states. Um, they have the right to businesses and a vampire curfew will be removed. There's a curfew? Yeah, so I th- I think there's a curfew later. Yeah. Um, and then there's, like, more references to um, the VRA in, um, in other seasons, but I can't seem to find anything solid like there's no like total amendment i actually thought there would be a proper amendment considering how hardcore they went into like promoting true blood i thought there would be like an actual document they put something together and be like here it is yeah exactly (laughs) um so i love that adele comes in and says that i don't think jesus would mind if someone was a vampire (laughs) (laughs) i i love i love adele I, i said this last last episode as well i love adele stackhouse and i love that she is so accepting especially as like um as a christian because you get people like queen fortenberry's mother oh yeah um i cannot remember what mrs fortenberry's name is and she is she is like the polar opposite of adele and not just with vampires but just like in general she's really really nosy she's like just like there, there are times when she's like, um, I'm just trying to remember when it is without giving spoilers for the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, like when, when um, you know, she's talking about vampires and stuff like that. She's like actively calling them bloodsuckers and killers oh, and wow. all this kind of stuff. I all about that. That's gonna be interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then like, but you see Adele, who is like, I don't think Jesus would mind if somebody was a vampire. Who is, and that's very much like love thy neighbor. Yeah, like they, you know, he without sin shouldn't cast a he without sin should cast the first first stone kind of thing. Or has yeah. he got Mrs. Foytenberry, uh, Mrs. Foytenberry, <laughs> um, who is like just straight, yeah, who is just straight up like you know vampires and murderers, like yeah, you know, I just hate them, kill them all, yeah, yeah. I love that Jason comes over, um, and he says something about Mordet, and um, I can't really remember what happened, but. Suki so was like, well, did you sleep with her? Because she is a woman. Yeah, she. The, Jason comes over for breakfast and mm. um, I think Tara is there as well. Yeah, they're and, all in the house. Because they yeah, they're and, going to, they're, they're coming over when Bill comes over that night. Yeah, and they're like, um, Jason says, uh, Tara says, I'm glad they didn't arrest you. 
Um, and there's a whole conversation about how they thought that Jason had done it because they thought that um, he'd slept with her. And Suki kind yeah. of goes, well, did you? Because she's a woman. And Jason <laughs> kind of gives her this really, like, side eye. And he's like, excuse me, what did you say? And Suki's kind of, like, looks at him back like, well, well, she has a pulse. I don't <laughs> think that would stop you, but, you know, she has a pulse. Yeah. Um and, and Adele then, kind of Adele kind of comes in and goes, "Oh, Jason, you're here. I'll fix you breakfast." Yeah, because like, oh, <laughs> I love that they breakfast? won't have those conversations in front of their grandmother either. Yeah, you can't you can't have that you can't have that no. conversation in front of Adele Adele Stackhouse. I will come for you, and especially not in front of her biscuits. No. Um, <laughs> so uh, Gran lets them know that a tornado turned over a trailer, the one that the rat trays lived in. That they were I wonder who did that. Death. So yeah. something goes over because this would so be me. I'd be like, I gotta see what happened. Well, this this is this is what I was talking about earlier. This is we get this look into like how toxic Bill is because he is hiding the bodies with this this quote unquote accident, this tornado. Yeah, this tornado. Yeah. So Suki rocks up and she's in this. She's got like her hair all done and like she's full of vampire blood and they're trying it's to like gorgeous. Yeah, they're trying to like give off this impro- like give off this look of like she's full of vampire blood. She's looking even more youthful than possible. She's positively glowing. Um, so her hair's all like curly. She's wearing this really cute little dress, and she's got like this lime green bikini on. I have just watched like bits of the episode beforehand, so I don't you know what she's wearing. Um, I don't just have it committed to memory. Um, and she's like looking at it, and then the sheriff and the coroner show up. Um, so Sheriff Dearborn and Mike Spencer. The, yeah, um, Mike Spencer show up and they're all having this conversation about how like tornadoes don't just like land in one place, they hop. Yeah. So it's really weird that, you know, this tornado just happened to come into this one place and destroy this particular area. Like it's it's just a suspect. <laughs> um I like that they also insinuate that she did it. Yeah, um, like, or that she, or that she had something very specific to do with it because she yeah. had this issue with them a couple of days ago, and she's like, "Well, look at me! Like, how could I have done this? I've done that." <laughs> um, and then they like talk about how she's like having this relationship with a vampire, and like, well, you know, he's just a man, and I was like, "Well, he's not a man; like, hmm. he's dead." Um, and then she's just like, "All right, I've had enough. Like, you guys are closed-minded, whatever." And then she leaves. Yeah. And she goes back home to her, to sniff out an old crack cracker, like an old biscuit. Or don't you don't you old... smell that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was expecting like a dead animal because I hadn't seen it in so long. So I was like, is, is there a dead rat? And then I realized I lo- it was old food. I love the Adele Stackhouse because, like, Suki's like, you realise he sleeps in the ground. Like, you don't have to do this. And Adele Stackhouse is like, I'm not doing this for him. I'm doing this so I can be proud of my home because she's, like, vacuuming. And then she turns around and goes, how do you know where he sleeps? (laughs) She's she's like, excuse me. She's like, why Um, don't? (laughs) She's like, I'm I'm sorry, do we need to have a conversation, child? (laughs) Like, I love love Adele Stackhouse. She is... And I'm gonna I'm gonna keep saying this. I I love her. She is the sassiest, sweetest yeah. grandmother. I have a note here that's like, I want Adele Stackhouse to deliver gossip to me. She brings scones. <laughs> yeah. She brings biscuits. I wanna be there. And then like she's talking to Suki about like whether she actually wants to be alone with the vampire because mm. like alone with Bill. Um, because she's explaining that Tara and 
Jason wants to be there as well. It's going to be this whole big thing. <laughs> um, and Suki's just kind of like, it doesn't really need to be. And Adele kind of goes, do you want to be alone with the vampire? And Suki's like, I don't know, maybe. And gets really shy about it. It's kind of nice. It's cute. It is quite cute. We're like seeing Suki kind of have feelings for somebody. Yeah. And And you get to watch them develop rather than it just already be there when the show's started. And because we're not experiencing it through a flashback or through a series of telepathic images it's nice to kind of watch it blossom yeah so (laughs) later that night so he is outside sweeping the porch and bill sneaks up behind her and she's like i told you not to do that to me but i love that um she goes to go in the house and she's like what's wrong and he's like you have to invite me in otherwise it's physical impossible impossible for me to enter a mortal's home and she's like seriously well come on try and he's like i can't like i can't even try and she's like that is so weird that's how weird is that and i'm like you were talking to a vampire yeah it's not the weirdest thing this that's this happening him, yeah like out of all the things that are happening tonight somebody not being able to walk into your home is not the weirdest don't worry about that bit and I love how psychopathic she looks when she's like, <laughs> wait, so if I rescind my invitation, will you, like, have to leave? And he's like, yes. And she gives the most psychotic look. She's like, I'm going to have to remember that. Yeah. And just looks like she's going to stab him. I'm like, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I Damn. Care. Bill is a lot more interesting in the television show than the books. <laughs> I mean, he's about as interesting as a wet paper bag in this scene, so it doesn't bode well. I kind of like that he just has uh, the way that they voice the the uh, the reader on audiobook, like Audible, read him. I'm just like he has no personality. Nothing. When 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 he surprises Suki on the porch, she's like, "Oh, I hate it when you do that," and he's like, "I've upset you." She's like. (laughs) no just don't do it like you need a bell (laughs) (laughs) but he's just like i've upset you and like why would that be your first thing why wouldn't you just go sorry i'm a vampire like i don't make noise yeah but he doesn't really spend a lot of time with humans i guess yeah i guess this is his first attempt at mainstreaming i think yeah i think so too actually Yeah. yeah i just i just love the way he's just like i've upset you and then that's it. That is, those, that's the three words he says to her. Like, I've just upset yeah. you. <laughs> um, so he goes into the house. Yeah. And Jason, I love that in this scene, Adele offers him food and then is like, oh, sorry. And then Jason's on the couch just pigging out. <laughs> she made just staring. sandwiches. Yeah, she's on the sandwiches. She I love it. And if you look at the platter, she's actually arranged them really cutely. <laughs> she's got like wholemeal sandwiches in the middle and she's like put like little white bread ones around the side and she's put so she's much effort into it. She's such a southern she's such a southern homemaker. And she's like, she's offered them and she's like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. And Jason's like sitting there peeking out for like a staring bill. Yeah, and I'm just like, Ew, <laughs> he's got like right. a mouthful of cucumber sandwich. And, like, Tara's also on the other side just, like, staring him down and out of nowhere is like, did you own slaves? He's like, I didn't, but my father did. She's like, mm-hmm. And I was like, that's interesting because it would have been, you know, the time that 
slavery would have been common. And, and, and Tara's intrigue and wanting to know about it is completely understandable. See, I don't think she's doing it out of interest and intrigue. She's doing it to get him off put. Oh, she's okay. doing. She's come. She's doing it because the way she says it, she's like, "Did you want slaves?" And he's like, "Um, I didn't, but my father did." She's not doing it to broach the topic to be in, like, to sort of find out yeah. about it. She's doing it because she wants to be like, "He is a bad person." Yeah, and she does. She does this a lot, like, and I totally get it. Like, she is a black woman in the South. She makes reference that. Her mother named her after a plantation. You know, she calls yeah. her mother dumb for it, like all this kind of stuff. Um, there is a big cloud over Tara where she makes trying to make people confront their racism yeah. a big thing. Um, and sometimes it can be kind of ham-fisted um, in the way that they do it. And it can be really uncomfortable and really confronting. And I think that they, like... That should be the way it is. Yeah, purposeful. Yeah, the exactly. Behind that is for that reaction. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, um, when when she asked him, I laughed, and I was like, oh, <laughs> "Yeah, ask him if he had slaves." Yeah, um, and he sort of he sort of meekly goes, "I didn't, but my father did. We had this person whose name I don't remember." Yeah, um, like that's what he says. He's yeah. like, "I is this person I don't remember," and then we had this other person and whatnot and. Like Adele is kind of interestingly talking about it. And she's like, oh, this is the kind of information that my 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 club would love. Yeah. Um, and Tara is just sitting there staring daggers at everyone in the room. She's like, I hate everyone. Yeah. Understandably so. Yeah. Like we're we're talking we're talking about things that did not end all that long ago in the grand scheme of things. No. Absolutely not. i okay, so there's this very uncomfortable scene with Jason and Bill. And it's not because of Bill, it's because of Jason. And Jason says, a lot of Americans don't think you people deserve special rights. And Bill says, they're the same rights you have. Jason after replies, two, minutes, two minutes after talking about slavery. No, I'm just saying there's a reason things are the way they are. And Bill says, yeah, it's called injustice. I... Jason, Jason, yeah, Jason is a very interesting character. And, like, yes. he's he's very much there to cause this conflict. And you see it every time he sees the vampire bites and he confronts these women that he's sleeping with about these vampire bites. He's not just slut-shaming them about sleeping with other people. He's slut-shaming them about sleeping with vampires, people he yeah. deems unworthy. Um, and, like I said, we talk. We, he's talking about, like, these in the he's talking about rights like these personal rights that people should be given two minutes after like literally literally in the same scene that people are talking about slavery yeah and it's like quite intentional yeah absolutely because he's just like but it kind of like dismisses tara's experiences as well and being like well vampires want rights but don't worry about yeah like <laughs> about slaves. yeah like like not everybody has equal rights yet but you know like vampires don't deserve rights like they're they're not real people like you or me or like tara over here but you know not everybody has equal rights just yet yeah oh jason (laughs) such an asshole um such an exhausting character yeah and then he gets worse because bill goes i might take sookie for a walk now 
And he goes, I think I have a problem with that. Yeah. I'm the man of this house. And he tries to assert his dominance. Yeah, it's really gross. Like, yeah, in this, like, toxic masculinity, she's my property kind of thing. And Adele oh. Stackhouse is having none of it. She's like, excuse me, you are a man in this house? You are not the man in this house. And I'm like, yes, go get it. Tell him. But then um, <laughs> she says, I'm the oldest person here. And then Bill's like, well, actually, I am. And I was like, pick the charm out of here. And then Adele laughs. Adele is so in love with Bill. She's I like, know. She loves she's, like if so you she's like, if you don't want my granddaughter, just come take me. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with you. Let's go. I'll go with you. Let's, let's run away go. together. Um, so Bill and Sookie leave and Jason says, well, thanks for making me look like a fool in front of him, Gran. And she says, Jason, you don't need any help looking like a fool. I love, I love her so much. <laughs> so Suki and Bill are talking about the trailer and he says vampires get stronger over time and learn how to cover their tracks. And he admits that he's killed uh, some people by accident. And this is where Suki finds out that he, uh, because she drank a lot of his blood, that she'll have heightened senses. Pickles. The <laughs> bell is so loud. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> she'll have high, she'll have heightened sentences and heightened sentences and pickles and pickles <laughs> um so she will have heightened senses a stronger libido and he'll be able to sense her especially if she's in trouble and Sookie says you know like i just need a second to think about that because i don't know how i feel it it's a yeah. violation it's an absolute violation and it very much comes back to this whole thing about possession yeah. Um, because there is this whole there's this whole thing where vampires respect other vampires humans because mm. there's this whole thing about she is mine, I is I am his. Um and now that Suki has taken Bill's blood, he can sense where she is, he can sense when she's in danger, all this kind of stuff. Um Which is and a big she yikes for me. <laughs> she didn't agree to that. Yeah. Like as some as somebody who is constantly in some kind of danger because I have no sense of self-preservation um, probably would come in handy, but I would like to agree to the terms and conditions first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, again, I understand that Bill was doing it to save Suki's life, but in episode two, the reasons for that aren't clear. Yeah. And it becomes clearer as you go through. Um, right, right now it's just because he's enamored with her. Yeah, he's just obsessed, and he's just yeah, like, and he just wants he wants to, to protect. Whatever. Yeah, he needs to, he needs to protect her. Yeah. I think she's had a very understated reaction to this. Yeah, to be I honest. mean, she still had a bit of a uh, "you violated my personal space" kind of reaction. If but I had that much vampire, more. if I had that much vampire blood in me, I would at least give him a right hook. I would attempt. Uh, it'd hurt. Yeah, but I'd still give it a crack. Do you reckon, wait, do you reckon these vampires are the same as, like, um, as, what's that, uh, Twilight vampires where they're, like, made of concrete? I mean, you watch them, I don't know, I haven't seen a human punch a vampire. No, me neither. I've seen, I will do more research. Um, (laughs) Well, I I imagine that. I imagine, like like Bill says, like they get stronger over time. So yeah. while I imagine like Suki being a small girl that she is, like a small woman that she is, 
kissing a full grown man would probably hurt. Mm. Um, she had like she did take a considerable amount of his blood. Yeah, so she'd do some damage. Yeah, she'd still probably you know make him aware that she was there. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, um, exactly. Like like if somebody had said to me, oh yeah, by the way, in exchange for me saving your life, I am now, I I have given you a GPS tracker. I know where you are. That's I know okay. where you are. I would be like, mm, no. not okay with that. Yes. I'm not okay with my phone knowing where I am. Um, I don't know how that works. So, I mean, I'm not special. Government like, I don't, yeah. Pay my hex for me. Um, so this is another scene that really annoyed me because back at the house, Tara and Jason are together and Tara cozies up to Jason quite suggestively. And once again, we just see him completely dismiss her. And he gets up and leaves because he remembers he has to pick up Dawn from work. I have issues with this scene because they're having this really tender moment, actually. And Jason's kind of maybe slowly starting to realise what he means to Tara and maybe what Mm. Tara could mean to him in a romantic sense. Because I think there's a flashback at this point I think, I think so, yes. Yeah, where this is where I was talking about mm. Tara running to the stackhouses with Letty Mae chasing after her, Jason letting her into the house, like Jason letting Tara into the house and him blocking Letty Mae. Yeah. Um, and I think he threatens to call the cops or something like that and Letty Mae is like straight up like gonna deck this kid. <laughs> um, and Jason's like 11 years old or something like that. Yeah, he's um, quite young. And so, like, they're, they're reminiscing over that, and I say reminiscing like it's a tender moment, um, but Jason is kind of understanding maybe a little bit about what he means to Tara, and then he goes, oh, fuck, I got a jet, I got to go pick up my girlfriend. Yeah. And he sort of leaves Tara there, and it's really heartbreaking, and, again, it's it's just really sad to watch Tara have this really toxic relationship but watching Jason have toxic relationships is what True Blood is about yeah basically the human stuff anyway yeah (laughs) it's the 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 romantic subplot is watching Jason have toxic relationships with with women or watching women have toxic relationships with Jason yeah that's yeah one-sided relationships mainly Um, so Bill and Sookie are walking through the cemetery because earlier she actually found out that Bill only lives in the next house over. Across the cemetery. Across the cemetery. Which honestly so I love. Romantic. Honestly, like the little the little goth emo kid in me is like, I kind of love the idea of there being like a cemetery between their houses. <laughs> so like I'm 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 one of those person I'm one of those people who kind of romanticizes the cemetery. Romanticizes? Is that yeah. a word? Yeah, okay, cool. Um, the cemetery and like graveyards and kind of stuff like that. And their cemetery that they're they're walking through is actually quite lovely. Yeah, it's very lush grass. There's like weeping willows. There's like the the willows that are like dangling down. It's not like the one out of Harry Potter that'll like, murder you. Um, <laughs> the Womping Willow. Is that yeah, what the Womping Willow. Yeah, I, I think so. It <laughs> um, it like it's it's actually a really lovely yeah. thing, and it's kind of it's it's this really beautiful thing about like. Sookie being alive, so it's actually really lush and beautiful, but it's a graveyard because Bill is dead. Yeah, it's a really that's, nice that's metaphor. Some tenth, that's some 10th grade uh, English right there for you. Imagery and metaphor. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's actually like, and again, like it's this really beautiful scene because the moon is out again, like full moon, Bon, bon, bon Temps. It's, always know, a full moon. Always a full moon. Um, but yeah, it's this really beautiful scene and the graveyard comes up a lot. And whenever it's in a scene, it's a really beautiful graveyard. Yeah. I like the graveyard. Um, so they're talking about the different things that vampires can do. And he says, you know, we can glamour people. And Sookie says, can you try on me? Um, and it doesn't have an effect on her and it seems to upset him. And she actually says, uh, you don't like being able to control people, do you? That's not a very attractive trait, Bill. This reminds me of one of my favourite comics. Oh, really? <laughs> Where it's like the the character has like this come hither stare and he's like trying to come hither stare one of the characters sitting on the couch and he accidentally come hither stares the other character behind him. <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, like my you. aim was off. <laughs> because she, the, the character he accidentally come hither, she's like, she's like laughing and she's like, oh my God, why am I blushing? And he's like, oh my God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my aim was off. <laughs> But yeah, so we find we find out that you can't glamour Suki, which comes in handy. Yeah. yeah, I think she's pretty stoked about that. Uh, we also see another important flashback with Suki's parents. Um, and she's a child, so she can't control her telepathic thoughts. And it's quite sad because we see both her parents quite frustrated and scared of her at the same time. Yeah, I can understand this because they, as far as we know in this, they don't have telepathic abilities. Yeah. Um, so, and like, we definitely know that Jason doesn't, Jason doesn't have a thought running through his head, the whole thing. Um, um, so we definitely know that he doesn't. Um, it seems that out of Jason, uh, out of Stookie, Stookie's, Stookie's immediate family, it's yeah. um, it's, it's her. Um, and she just happens to listen in on her mother's thoughts and reveal something and her father overhears and her dad's like did you tell her that to her mother and her mom's like no like I haven't said a word to anybody Mm. and it sort of divulges into this whole thing about like her going to the guidance counselor or her like her teacher at school I think it was a psychologist and then the psychologist realized she could read minds and was kind of like uh what the fuck (laughs) <laughs> yeah because she's like okay we're just gonna sit here in silence but i want you to tell me what i'm thinking and she's yeah. like i'm thinking of the color purple and the number two and so he's like oh why are you thinking the number the number two and a color purple and the psychologist <laughs> is like um oh you can read my fucking mind <laughs> and so we come back and basically Sookie's like i was diagnosed with add um <laughs> her parents died when she was eight they died in a flash flood which i think yes is gets explained later yeah I thought so, because I remember seeing an episode on her parents. Yeah, so Suki and Jason were with Adele during this flash flood and um, their parents were driving somewhere and were swept away. Mm. Um, I don't think they ever found bodies. Yeah, I can't. I'm really, I'm looking forward to getting to that episode. It's it's sort of a mystery of what happened. Yeah. Um, But from what we know, they were taken in a flash flood. Yeah. So Bill explains that he lost his wife and children when he turned and every living human being that he knew. And she says, you know, you really don't consider yourself human, do you? And he's like, I'm not, I'm dead. Again, and this kind of comes back to the conversation that we were having last episode about like Nan saying, you know, humans have this um, history of um, like 
just exploiting each other. You know, vampires don't have a documented history of exploiting each other because we technically didn't exist until two years ago. Yeah. Um, So it's like at what point do you become a vampire? At what point do you lose your humanity? And at what point does mainstreaming restore that humanity? At what point do you, you know, acclimatise back into humanity and into society? Yeah, that's really sad. And and watching Bill kind of be very emotional about it as well is interesting. So from what we from what we sort of get further into the series, Bill was very much a family man. Yeah. Um he had these really beautiful kids, he had this gorgeous wife. Um when he was I think he was drafted into the Confederacy, um, which is problematic in its own right. Yeah. Um <laughs> but it's the South, it's fine. Um you know, he was really devastated to leave them. And then when he was turned, he sort of was told by his maker that you have to give them up. You, you can't have a human family. We give yeah, up all semblance. Yeah, we, we just, we can't. It can't happen. Um, So he lived in the shadows basically for the next, you know, 130, 100, 150 years or whatever it was. 138 years or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's, I I really enjoy Bill's backstory. Bill Bill has a really good backstory, and like so does Eric. Yeah, I think I think my three favorite backstories out of the vampires are Eric, Pam, and Bill. Yeah, I think Eric and Pam have the best backstories. Yeah, I really like theirs. Um, also, oh, I can't say anything. Like when certain people show back up to the show for Eric, I really like that as well. <laughs> oh, yep. <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I love that it kind of, uh, she also asks if he can levitate and if he can turn invisible. What does he say? I can't remember what he says to levitating. He says no, but in the books he can. Because he can in the show too. He eventually can fly, yes. No, no, no. He levitates. Oh. Because him and the Queen of Louisiana have this, like, matrix off in his living room. That's right, yeah. But at the st- in this episode, he can't levitate. I think he finds that power later on. Because in the book, he does explain that some vampires can, some vampires can't. Um, yeah, so- and the older you get, like, it happens. I remember the first time Eric flies and I'm like, I'm sorry, you what? You just fucking rocketed. (laughs) This wasn't you turning into a bat or you just like slowly levitating off like Superman or something like that. This motherfucker jets. Yeah. But like this, this scene that I'm talking about with the queen of Louisiana, um, I love that they go from like sheriffs to royalty. Yeah. It's like Eric is the sheriff of area nine. And then there is like a queen of Louisiana. Um, She's like know. it makes she sense like, to me. <laughs> she walks in. She walks into to Bill's living room, and then they like matrix at each other. They like full on like jump into the air and oh, do like yeah. the bullet time thing. I'm like, hmm? it's so. Excuse it's, me. It's at that point that I start disbelieving this TV show. Uh, it wasn't the vampires that. No, <laughs> no so you know, no? you know when like there are points, you know when there are points in TV shows where you're like, okay, I'm on board with this, I'm on board with this, I'm like told. I can get, yeah. I can get the, I can get the romance, I can get the vampires, I can understand this, I can understand that, motherfucker, jumping in the air, bullet timing with the Queen of Louisiana, I'm like, excuse me, sir, get your ass back on the ground. <laughs> I have questions when you get back. 
<laughs> yeah, once you once you back on the ground, it's not how. Firstly, that's not how gravity works. <laughs> Secondly, fuck off, you're a vampire. You don't do this. This is not. This is not what happens. <laughs> we're like on the Twitter. We're like, what? What kind of like modern retellings do you like about vampires? And I'm like, I like how they're twisting things. I don't like that twist. That's not the twist you're talking. That's not about. the twist I like. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so apparently Bill can't levitate. He can't levitate. Yet. No, and he can't turn invisible. There's a scene where he tells her to take the clip out of her hair and he kind of like moves her curls around and then he nuzzles into her neck and Sookie grabs him and kisses him. But Bill pushes away with his fangs out and says he better walk her home. I, so, you know how I was saying that I was giggling at like the guy from the beginning of episode one where he's like fangs pop out and oh, they yeah. really cute. I actually like the placement of the fangs in some vampires because of the, like how far away their teeth are. How weird of a thing to notice. Yeah, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to do a survey of <laughs> all gonna... the vampire teeth in True Blood. i got time. There is there is so much time. No, because I realised that like, because they don't come down where I'm used to them coming down, it's it's very much based on where their two front teeth are positioned and stuff yeah. like that. And then I thought the other day, I wonder if Tom Cruise's would be slightly off centre. <laughs> I was I was so tired the other day because we were like we were going to record on Sunday, and I was like, "Fuck, I have, I'm going to go back and rewatch episode two, And I was so tired, and my brain was like, "If Tom Cruise was a vampire in True Blood, would his teeth be slightly off center?" It was it was it's a time like around here. Yeah, because like his, his one of his teeth like matches up with the middle of his nose, and I'm like, "Would they just be like slightly off center?" Oh my god, I've never noticed that. Now I've got to go look for that. <laughs> you're gonna be so welcome and then you're gonna go and like draw little fangs on him and you're gonna be like oh my god i'll just put like fake fangs on the tv screen (laughs) (laughs) um so we're heading in towards the end of the episode that's kind of setting us up for episode three yes Uh, jason is laying in bed and he's tied to the bed head by silk scarves uh dawn Mm -hmm. has tied him there and basically said see you later uh you're lucky that's all you're lucky that's all i'm gonna do uh, but I'm still horny. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> Jason. Fucking good luck. Jason, um, Jason, Jason <laughs> has like three emotions. Horny, dumb, and sad. <laughs> I wonder what happens when he's all three of them. Oh, that was at the start of the episode. Yeah, that was at the start of the episode. He was re-watching his sex tape. <laughs> he was sad she died. He was horny over it. And he was like, oh, hang on. I'm going to go to Dawn's house. I'm going to go to Dawn's house. Um, so Tara's working at the bar and she's interacting with Dawn and it's quite obvious to Dawn how Tara feels about Jason. I, I hate the way that Dawn treats Tara because it's kind of cruel. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm used to playing this game. I kind of want to make this last, you know, why are you so interested? Like she's kind of revealing these details about this very fresh relationship that she doesn't need to. Yeah. Um, like everybody knows everything about Jason. Like he's not a new boy in town, and no. everybody they like, know who he is. <laughs> yeah, and Dawn isn't a new woman in town. Everybody knows who Dawn is. Everybody's kind of friends with everybody. Um, and Tara is definitely trying to play it, excuse me, cool. But Dawn is quite. I feel like Dawn is being quite cruel about this. Yeah. 
And she always comes off as a bit of a mean girl. Yeah. And I mean, like, well, we all know what happens to Dawn, so. We do. Uh, yeah, it's it's just an interaction that I was just like, leave Tara alone. <laughs> Tara's got shit coming. Leave her alone. Back off. Um, at the same time, Sookie is also working. I'm guessing it's like lunch shift or something like that. And uh, she's serving some incredibly gross dudes are thinking some pretty gross things about her. Um, so Renee grabs one of them and twists her arm and Oh, this is, this is, she goes, um, is there anything else I can help you with? And he's like, yeah, you can serve that food on those perfect titties. There's nothing more than, yeah. Yeah, And thinking it and she's just like, oh, no, Mm. not today. Yeah. And this is kind of like Renee comes in and he's a little intimidating. Yeah. It's a little weird. He's really put off and she's like, oh, you didn't need to be that violent. Yeah, it's Thanks. it's a little weird. And then she kind of goes um, to Ali and she's like, can you thank Renee for helping me with those customers? Yeah, because Renee tells Yeah, because Renee tells them to fuck off, basically. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you're like my little sister. I wouldn't want anything to happen to you. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> so Sam asks Sookie to come into his office and tells her that he wants her to read his thoughts. And says to her, "You might like what you hear." Oh, Sam! Fuck off! I hate him. I hate. He has no redeeming qualities except for the fact (laughs) he can wear a pair of jeans really well. He got nice ass. He does. Like I understand that (laughs) Sam is trying to be well-meaning about this. Like he's trying to say to Suki, "Look, you don't always have to have your guard down, whatever." Um, But he's also trying to be like, "I kind of want to just have sex with you." Yeah. Um, and it is really, really gross. Like it's really creepy. It is. It, oh, I just I really don't like Sam. There's there are times when I have redeemable feelings about Sam and it doesn't come in until season two. Yeah. Um But this interaction with Sam is just so, it just gives me the heaps. Yeah. I was just like, no thanks. But I love that she's like, no, I, I've had to quit every single job of mine because I've read the boss's mind. Like, I I don't want to do that here. And he says, you know, you have a job here as long as you want it. And it's like, yeah, yeah until she rejects you. Yeah, she's she's actively saying, like, no, I want to put this boundary up. And he keeps overstepping it. Yeah. And that's oh, I hated that's that conversation so, so much. Yeah, it's so gross. And, like... Sam doesn't give that up for quite a while either. Mm. Like, even even as things progress with other characters, he doesn't give that up. And I'm like, you need to fuck off. Get the fuck out. Exactly. Just Back piss off. off. Back off. Um, so Soki returns to the bar and on the television, the news announces that the anti-vampire reverend Theodore Newland and his wife have been killed in a car accident. And the baby. And the baby. And the baby. The vampire baby? No, no, no. Oh! <laughs> That's the, the baby the, I can think of. Um, Steve Newland's sister. The little baby oh, sister. Oh, okay. That's right. Yes. The little um, baby sister. Because mm. Steve Newland makes a whole thing about how he's like, you killed my baby's sister. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's like this whole, it's a it's a big old conspiracy about who killed the Newlands. Yes, which I really, I really love the Newland narrative and storyline when they bring the Newlands in. I, I love the Newland. There's this whole overarching thing with the Newlands because they don't, they do have like a big plot in this season, but they don't seem to ever like. It's not a forgotten plot. 
Yeah. So, like, they're not just forgotten characters. They do overarc in, like, after their their, their storyline is done. Yeah. And then they come back. <laughs> and I can't wait. It's going to be so good. <laughs> it's going to be so good. But I love the Newlands in this season. They're so yeah. funny. And especially when they're like barbecuing and stuff like that. And I'm just, it's just, I love the Newlands. <laughs> I love them so much. And I shouldn't, but they're such. No, they're, they're written such, so perfectly. For again, purpose. it comes back to that campy, pulpy, just love to hate them. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, that's what they are. They love to hate them characters. Yeah. I think they've written fantastically for the show. Um, oh, so Sookie leaves wait. work. She's heading over to Bill's because she's helped find some electricians that she had offered to find for him last episode. Yes. Um, there's a car parked out the front. It's like an old soft top Cadillac and it has Fangs 1 as the number plate. So he goes to the door and two vampires answer the door. Um, Diane and Malcolm... Yes, I think they're they're old friends of Bill's. Yes, and they answer the door and flash their fangs at her. The vampire from the sex tape also mysteriously appears. He just kind of rocks up to creeps up behind Sookie, and they all hiss at her. And that's the end of episode two. I love that they always leave like a cliffhanger at the end of every episode. And you're just like, Who the and fuck it's always so, it's always Sookie in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow Suki always ends up to get in trouble. This one is this one is understandable because she's now surrounded by vampires who she yeah. can't hear. And she's just like, great, so, I don't know what's going to happen to me now. How um, did you how did you feel about this episode? I, it was a bit lackluster, but I understand okay. it is foundational. I yeah, I felt the same about this episode, especially after sort of the action and the introduction of the first episode. And this episode felt kind of disjointed. Like I said, like yeah. in the first five minutes, it was very disjointed. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's very foundational and they're setting up for the next couple of episodes, obviously exactly. with like yeah. the the members of the Glorious Dead and um all that kind of stuff. But there's it just but I was kind that. of disappointed. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. Um, but there is like there is action coming in the next couple of episodes. So I can I can get away with I think they can get away with being a little bit boring. well true blood has a tendency to do that throughout each season it's where the first three to four episodes are setting you up they've given you all the information they need to give you and they do it in quite a a very clever way and then it's just like fucking plot twist after plot twist after plot twist for every episode after that and you're just like you leave at the end of some seasons of this show being like um i need some time to myself and it's worth noting that these are hour-long episodes. Yeah. Like it's not it's not like half hour little tidbits. These are hour-long mm. episodes. So like I think the issue I had with this episode is it felt like a marathon. Yeah. But I think that was more just getting through the it was just resolving the end of last episode and trying to build into next episode. This one yeah. suffered from middle child syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> um, I like apologies, that. Yes. Apologies to any middle, middle children out there. I'm an I'm only the child. So it's fine. Uh, <laughs> only child here. Um, so I suffer from that golden child and like youngest. Um, oh. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, I feel like this, this suffered from middle child syndrome where it was yeah. like it, it's building up into next episode where some really interesting things happen. You find out more about mm. vampires and how they work. And it was resolving all the conflicts that 
really built up in the end of like the last episode with the rat trays and finding out about Silky yeah. and finding out about vampires. It had like a little bit of interesting stuff happening like scattered throughout, but it just kind of felt like a bit of a marathon. Yeah, it felt like it was just like I was hanging on barely. And I was yeah. like, all right, I'm coming back. But you also have been sick. So Yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain hasn't been entirely there. No. Okay, so I have a question. Okay. Are vampires good or bad? Um so I I think so far. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> This is a philosophical one <laughs> because it's like asking, it's like asking if the humans in this are like good or bad. It's True. entirely, it's entirely contextual. Like yes. we've had, we've had Bill save Sookie's life, but also he ref- didn't, he admitted that, you know, now he's connected to her permanently. Like, and then he's killed some people. <laughs> he's, he's, but he killed people to save Sookie's life. But he killed people. <laughs> I would kill people to save your life. Aww. Aww. Blessed. Like it's 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 entirely it is entirely contextual. Like yeah. I think, it, the way I would sum it up is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Um, I don't think that vampires are good or bad. Like we come to characters later on in the season, like Bill, uh, not Bill, um, Eric and Pam, who have, you know, I think that. Eric has genuine feelings for for Suki, but he goes about things the entirely wrong way. I love Pam. She's a genuine bitch. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think, like, there are genuinely evil vampires in this. Like, we're going to come mm. into them in later seasons, and there are genuinely good vampires in this. Um, I think that there are good and bad vampires. I think that there are people struggling to come to terms with what they are we're gonna come to vampires like that in the next couple of episodes um i the the road to hell is paved with good intentions yeah i'm just like in this bill bad (laughs) i'm very conflicted about how he approaches things i think Um, at this point i am i'm the same like i i i don't think bill is bad at this point like if i'd never seen this before i would say that i wouldn't think that bill is bad i would think that bill is problematic i would think that he's going about things the wrong way with good intentions um but also i'm a 30 year old woman who understands that toxic relationships are bad and i would be able to identify those toxic relationships if i was watching this again at you know 18 or whatever i'd be like oh you know like he's he's he obviously like really likes her or something like that. He just really as, loves Suki. <laughs> yeah, he just like really loves you guys. As a thirty year old woman, I'm like, if you came fucking near me, I would hurl a jar of garlic at you. I'd kill you. I would. I have. I would measure that garlic with my heart. Um, <laughs> what about you? Good or bad? Yeah, I'm on the fence. I'm a fence sitter when it comes to these things because Bill has done equally good things and equally bad things. And so, so road I'm, to hell is paved with good yeah. intentions. <laughs> <laughs> and then you do yeah, we're entirely we're entirely on the same page yeah and the thing that is like um vampires have their own moral code as well yes. and that is kind of more philosophical where it's like what is good and what well is i think <laughs> i think it's interesting that they're trying to assimilate into human culture while trying to maintain 
their own moral code and their yeah. own law code and stuff like that. So yeah, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of episodes because uh, especially as we get introduced to more and more vampires, and especially ones more... who have a lot of gray areas, like Eric, <laughs> who operates in kind of like a gray zone. <laughs> I can't. No, he he doesn't even operate in a gray zone. He operates in his own zone. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm sorry. This is going to turn into an Eric and Pam stand podcast. I <laughs> not even love. Bad. I love Eric. You have no idea. I ship Eric and Suki. So does my sister. <laughs> like, they're so bad for each other. I don't even give a shit. I'm like, you know what? Eric like is it. so much Eric is so much better for Suki than Billy's, oh and God, that's yes. not saying much. Oh, I can't wait to discuss their relationship and and contrast it to how Bill treats Suki. It's uh it's very interesting dynamic, Bill, uh Bill versus Suki versus Eric. <laughs> I can't wait until after. The Fellowship of the Sun arc. Oh, yeah. Because it gets so much more interesting. It gets weird as well. It does. It gets like, so Eric weird. Gets weird. <laughs> Eric was always weird. True. He's like six foot four of weird and awkward and sexy. <laughs> and sexy. Um, so we have a question it's... from uh, at Dame Judy Dench on Twitter saying, Is True Blood the best vampire TV show? Uh, I'm sorry. Buffy the Vampire Slayer exists. Oh, yeah, true. Buffy would probably be above True Blood for me, definitely. I... (laughs) Can we do a Buffy podcast? Because I have opinions. (laughs) (laughs) I have opinions on Joss Whedon, but um, I have opinions on Joss Whedon. (laughs) So I think that they are two entirely different vampire shows. Yeah. Um, I think that as far as strong female role models as far as that kind of thing goes Buffy is a better retelling of women yeah um well having a women-centric yes protagonist yeah um yeah as far as having like a blonde who can look after herself um (laughs) (laughs) a blonde with superpowers basically um like removing Joss Whedon entirely from it yeah um I think I prefer the way that the direction in Buffy was. There are some really powerful episodes in there that make me cry and that kind of thing, but I'm not expecting yeah. True Blood to make me cry. I'm expecting True Blood to entertain me in a pulpy, campy kind of way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also wouldn't expect Eric Northman to be in um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No. He would get, um, he, like, <laughs> it'd be weird. It would be weird. I mean, Spike's already there. <laughs> exactly. We've we already got toxic one. relationships. <laughs> don't worry. We have, that's fine. <laughs> we have Spike and we have Angel. We oh, have toxic, God. We already have toxic relationships in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Oh, that dynamic between... Oh, God. Yes. Buffy I recently did a rewatch of. So um, I think I'm up to season four or five. What? What? Okay. What's your What's your vampire of choice? Um, vampire series of choice probably Buffy as well but I've been watching I watch a lot of vampire tv shows anything with a vampire I will give it a go so I did watch Vampire Diaries for quite I was about to say that I can't get into it um I really love it because it was written by Kevin Williams Williams or Williamson the same guy who wrote Scream um Mm -hmm. and so I saw a lot of his writing through uh through the seasons that I did watch I did watch um, the originals, which is a spin-off of mm-hmm. Vampire Diaries. I'm pretty sure. Um, 
I really, I've had a hankering to rewatch um interview with the uh, interview with the vampire. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that in so long. What were the what, uh, what was the British TV show? Um, Becoming Human. Mm. The uh, but it was like so. a ghost, a vampire, a um a werewolf, and something else. Or walk into a bar. Yeah, basically they lived in a house. Um, and then also what we do in the shadows, the TV series. So like I, I enjoy any kind of vampire content. So my best friend and I were talking about how when we went and saw the last Twilight movie in <laughs> cinemas. And the spoilers if you haven't seen Twilight, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> that I love the Twilight movies for the same reason I love True Blood. They're terrible. Yeah. Um, the baby in True Blood is uh, in True Blood. The baby in Twilight is terrifying. What the hell is that? Um, it's it's like this weird CGI amalgamation. There's actually a True Blood a, 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 a Twilight museum for the original doll that they oh, used. Oh no! And it looks like the thing me. from the co- yeah, and it looks like <laughs> the thing from The Conjuring, except more terrifying. Um, I love it. But the last fight in the movie, like how it's like just Alice showing the Volturi their future. Apparently I screamed, fuck off (laughs) at the top of my lungs in this (laughs) fucking cinema. That's beautiful. Which is is. probably, yeah, which is probably why I don't consider um, Twilight to be good vampire media. Oh, I, yeah, I went through, I went through a massive Twilight phase. I think I still have Twilight the board game in my cupboard. Okay, I'm ending this podcast. No, don't hate me. Look, I I will I will credit I will credit Twilight for bringing vampires back into the mainstream for bringing them out of the coffin uh, and bringing us like vampire. Don't think. Don't think. Don't thank her. Oh, but for bringing but for bringing like more content to the forefront. Yeah. Um. But. Again, like, I I love that, like, True Blood exists because yeah, it's just deliciously pulpy, bad. It's, it's like pulpy sanity. orange juice. You know, you shouldn't drink the pulpy bits, but yeah, so it's good. Anyway. They're good for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's more vitamin C. Uh, yeah, that's all the questions we had for today. Cool. Ask us more questions. We have yeah. a Twitter. Um, we're launching a Discord soon. Um, we're working on it currently. We're doing we it. Can be- we we when we can be when we can be bothered in between <laughs> our work days. Yeah. Um, we will announce it shortly and yeah, just ask us more on the Twitter. Yeah, um, at um, Club Dead Pod. That one. That's where I was gonna are. look it up quickly, but I can't no. remember <laughs> I made it really easy to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess see you next week. Yeah, see you next week for episode three. three. Yes, we just reviewed episode two. Next week will be episode three. Yes. We can count. I can't.